today's show, wanted to take a moment of silence to honor the, the premature death of the Packers 2020, 21, 21 season. Here lies the Green Bay Packers 2021 season. <laughs> May it rest upon the fallen. We shall rise stronger. Beautiful. Thank you. You're listening to the 2M Football Show with Mike and Matt. And with that, let's get into the show. And now we fire Uh, all the reps. Let's go. Or at least that one. I'm Mike. He's Matt. It's the 2M Football Show. And we're here to talk about, I think Matt, you said it best. In our intro last week, football, but yes, more specifically. Oh, <laughs> wait. Oh, oh, crap. Damn it. Conference, conference championship weekend. Wait, plus, don't. Okay, football. What? Matt, there's only one game left of this football season. But why? <laughs> Not counting whatever gimmick they're doing for the Pro Bowl this year. I think that's virtual, and you just get your name read off of a piece of paper. So, nailed it. At least there's no risk of injury. <laughs> feel like that should be the new pro bowl standard because and let's let's be honest does anybody watch the pro bowl no <laughs> they've been trying to find ways to make that interesting for as long as i've been a fan <laughs> this will be the most interesting year i may listen to it for a change i thought i heard they were going to do something with madden or did i completely miss it i think they're going to have like the two best 12 year olds in the world at madden can play as the afc and nfc pro bowl teams so what you're trying to say is that's not us well, we're not twelve, despite our the, despite the intellectual level you hear on this podcast. <laughs> I think we're also garbage at men. So that's true. That is true. Both are true. Anyway, I know we have as so we should get the disclaimer out of the way. We're both Packer fans. Although I think the Buccaneers were your original team, right? I remember from our our inaugural episode many many so long ago (laughs) when john gruden coached him to a super bowl yes so i don't know if that softened the blow at all for you i uh but we're both packer fans so this game was a little bit (laughs) gut-wrenching to watch unlike you as much as i was heartbroken i had to be like okay there's another game i need to like emotionally compose myself what's done is done that's another disclaimer right off the bat i i could not I had no emotional capacity left to care about another football game that day. (laughs) I had so much whiplash from this Packers game. So we're going to split this show into two halves today. First, I'm going to talk about the Packers, and then I'm going to leave, and Matt's going to cover the rest. Got it? (laughs) (laughs) You mean I actually got to do work for a change? Well, we've already established that I do not do work, so (laughs) yes. Someone's got to do something around here, right? (laughs) Ah, all right. Well, let's get into it then. We'll you need start. to take a drink before we start. Oh, it'll be yeah. Before, during, after. <laughs> yes, coffee. Just to clarify. Mm-hmm. But but yes. Uh, so let's start in the NFC. We'll just get it out of the way, like the NFL did with the, with the putting the NFC game first. Uh, and yeah, the Buccaneers traveled to Green Bay Lambeau Field to take on the Packers. 
Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. It was, the weather ended up not being a factor at all. I think it did snow early in the day, but by game time, it was like right around 30, 30 degrees, no snow, not uh, not enough wind to talk Pretty about. Pretty decent so, football weather. Yeah, yep. Um, the Buccaneers were, were down a couple players, important players to, to, for this game too. Uh, Antonio Brown was out with a knee injury and Antoine Winfield Jr., the rookie safety who's had such a nice uh, debut season was also out with an injury too. Um, Packers were pretty healthy minus losing uh, a few weeks ago. Now their left tackle, David Bakhtiari, which is a big loss and it, it showed, <laughs> I think it showed here. Um, but yeah, this game was insanity. I still can't believe all this happened within one football game. So let's just dive in. First half, pretty standard stuff, I guess, in the first half. The Buccaneer, both offenses were looking pretty good, as expected. The Bucs scored a touchdown in their opening drive. The Packers answered early in the second quarter with their own touchdown. And I uh, just want to pause here, give a quick shout-out to MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who actually had an amazing game all around. No crucial errors. He I, a touchdown. I love how after the first big catch, my immediate response was to text you and be like, all right, just don't throw it to him again, and we've nailed it. Right, because the screw-up is coming. That's <laughs> been sort of his uh, MO this season. But no, he I think he caught all his targets and looked really good. Um, so Packer, so his, he scored the first touchdown for Green Bay. Uh, and it was a long one, which has been his, his calling card. So good to see that come through here in the big game. And then uh, Brady, of course, on the next drive. Uh, it was so brutal because it, it was such a grinding drive to get to that point for the Packers before MBS scored the long one. And then on like the first or second play of the of the Bucks ensuing possession, Brady hit uh, Chris Godwin for a 52-yard bomb down the middle of the field. I would I was expecting this ball to be intercepted. Just it floated up there for a long time, uh, but the the defensive back got turned around trying to track it down and couldn't make the play. So. Ended up being a 52-yard gain for Godwin. And then on the very next play, the Packers' infamous run defense was in full uh, – was true to form as Leonard Fournette bounced off. Of he must have broken like the five Swiss tackles. The Swiss took the field. Yeah, they sure did. From 20 yards out, uh, he, he ran in the touchdown. And uh, that put the Buccaneers back in the lead 14-7. to This game moved fast early on, too. I think the first – between the two teams, the first three drives took the entire first quarter. But things got moving in a hurry. Uh, Packers also came right back with a long, you know, no big plays, just to moving the chains. And they got it all the way to first and goal at the Buccaneers six. Uh, but then in the first of a couple times this happened, they got they got stymied from that point. Rodgers threw three straight incomplete passes, all targeting Devontae Adams, who has been his, his uh, touchdown guy. But uh, couldn't connect here. And they had to kick a short field goal instead to make it 14-10. So, you know, good game, back and forth, pretty normal stuff until right before halftime, everything yeah. fell apart for the Packers. So this is where the uh, the things started to unravel. This is where the, the rage texting began between me and you, or at least from me to you. You were calmer. <laughs> so It looked good, though. I mean, it, they, they set it up perfectly. They got a defensive stop. 
still 14 to 10 Packers got the ball back with uh, two, two minutes, 10 seconds left in the half, which, and I thought, okay, this is perfect. That's just enough time to score again and take the take it all the way to halftime, not giving Brady another chance. Is that what happened though, Matt? That, that is not what happened. That is. Nope. <laughs> a few plays, just a few plays uh-huh. into the drive. Yep. That's, that's, yep. Uh, a few plays later, Rogers was targeting Alan Lazard on a deep post and, at first, I questioned the, the decision and, and why he threw it here because it, he appeared to be well covered, uh, and the defender had the inside position on him, and he picked it off. But on replay, it became pretty obvious why Lazard wasn't more open, and he was being held the entire time, and it just wasn't called. I was going to say, did they call that one? They did not call this one. So they're going to let the guys play this game, right? Sure looked that way. All right. <laughs> We'll see. We'll check back in on that later. Yeah, right. We'll keep that note in the back pocket. <laughs> but still, just 28 seconds left in the half at this point. You know, they just needed to get a stop, and they could still go to halftime with the same score. And the Packers were going to get the ball after the half. So, Joke's on them. Yeah, well, fourth and four from midfield, Bruce Arians. You know, no risk it, no biscuit. Bruce Arians decides to go for it. Is that what they call but that's what he said. I think that's a quote from him. <laughs> uh, and of course they converted on a six yard pass to Fournette. And, you know, I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit, but still there's only eight seconds on the clock. The Buccaneers had used all their timeouts at this point. All you got to do, keep them in bounds and the half will run out. You know what? You make that sound very easy, Michael. And you know what? I, I think it would have been, it should have been pretty easy <laughs> instead though. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not what happened to Kevin King, the Packers cornerback, who he got picked on all day by Brady. I don't, I don't want to – I mean, I want to give him credit for playing injured. It was questionable if he'd be able to play this game. but So I you know, applaud the effort. But maybe it would have been better if he sat it out. <laughs> but anyway, so here, one of many plays where he got beat on his, uh, by his receiver, Scotty Miller got behind him, which how do you let that happen? On the last play of the half, of course, it's going to be whatever. Scotty Miller beats him, gets behind him. No safety help. They were playing single high safety. And Brady dropped a dime in there. And uh, Miller took the 40-yard pass into the end zone. Which I question why Mike Pettin would call a single high safety. Right. Yeah. Like that should have at least been a Tampa 2 cover on that. Yeah. Not or like a, even a prevent, maybe. I don't know. but Because there were only eight seconds and they had no timeouts. Like but he was been protecting against essentially the Hail Mary. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. Instead, it was man coverage. Kevin King got beat and Brady did what Brady does. He found the open man and, and scored for his third touchdown pass of the game, I think. Or no, one was a run, whatever. He had three total. <laughs> it ended up being 21 to 10 bucks at halftime. No big deal. That's all right. We got Rodgers. And the Packers got the ball first. But on the second play of their drive, Aaron Jones caught a pass in the flat, and he just got destroyed by Jordan Whitehead. I felt Perfect. that hit. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. I mean, it was a clean hit. It was just a really solid and one. If I'm not mistaken, this is the one that took Jones out of the game too, right? Well, ironically, well, both of them actually. Yeah, Jones was out after this, and, and Jordan Whitehead, the safety, also got hurt time. here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jones fumbled, Bucks recovered, and took it all the way down to the Packers eight and scored on the next play. And it was 28 to 10. And at this point I was like, Oh my gosh, this is over. (laughs) 
but and then you Texas, corrected. Well, what we well, thought would have been corrected. <laughs> it did become a game again, thanks largely to three uh, kind of fluky Brady interceptions. Uh, my one favorite went, was the third one personally. Adrian Amos, yeah. Well, I mean, that was, it preceded the comment of, or it came after the comment of, there's oh, yeah. no way Brady's going to make a third mistake. And then immediately Adrian Amos snags an overthrown <laughs> pass. And you're like, well... <laughs> Yeah, so and that was the most legitimate one. It was just an overthrow by Brady, and uh, Amos was there. Uh, another interception went right off the hands of Mike Evans on what Two might have been a touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he had a few drops. Alexander too, like that guy was a stud this game. He was the only guy out there who knew what he was doing <laughs> for the Packers defense. I guess Amos too, but he had a critical error too that I didn't write down. But I remember saying like he redeemed himself with the interception. <laughs> but but yeah, so Packers were able to get themselves back into this game thanks to those mistakes. It was uh, so I'm going to fast forward now. Two minutes left in the game. Mm-hmm. Buccaneers were up 31 to 23, so an eight point game. And once again, the Packers, or the, I'll say the Buccaneers' red zone defense was they came to play. They they were really strong again. They stopped the Packers inside the 10. Three straight incomplete passes again by Rodgers, and this was. Uh, controversial decision by uh, Matt LaFleur going for the field goal instead of going for it on fourth down. So as much as we disagree with this, because I would have went for it on fourth down, I feel like, you know, you're damned if you do damned, if you don't, regardless of what you do, you go for it on fourth, people are going to be like, no, why'd you go for it? Why didn't you take just the three points? But then again, if you don't go for it, you kick the field goal becomes, why'd you kick a field goal and not go for it? Like, I feel like for a coach, there's a no win in that situation, but this is the championship game. You can't be cautious. And I had a feeling he was sitting there thinking, well, the defense has been playing extraordinarily well. See, I would argue against that. Though. I don't think they were playing extraordinarily well. They got lucky getting those interceptions, but outside of that, they were not able to stop the Buccaneers very much. Well, what's funny to. All right, I partially agree to disagree with that one because I would say that it was the Bucks defense that won this game, not their offense. Yeah, that's fair. Buccaneers defense completely overwhelmed Green Bay's what had been a pretty stout offensive line. But who do you have more faith in in a vacuum? Aaron Rodgers or the Packers defense against Tom Brady, the greatest of all time? That's where I think that it, that it, it falls apart. Either way, though, like you're saying, Either way, they were going to need another stop from the defense that I don't think they were going to get. I think they were already screwed at this point. Because <laughs> even if they can scored the touchdown, converted the two points, they would have needed another defensive stop just to get to overtime. At least this way, I, I see what he's thinking, because at least this way, if you do get that stop from your defense, now you're going for the win. You don't need to go for two. You score a touchdown, you win. So I... I don't know. I think they, I don't think there is any way they're going to win the game at this point. I know. I but, think the, the, with the errant throws that Brady was making, there was enough there that the defense could have forced a turnover. Not from the front, but from at least the corners. Maybe. Maybe. We'll never know, sadly. I was going to say, uh, not like it really matters at this point. So they kicked the field goal. Now it's a five point game. And they almost got. Well, you could argue they did get the stop that they needed. <laughs> it was third and four for the Bucks. 
this is the biggest where the biggest controversy came in. Brady threw over the middle to receiver Tyler Johnson. That was an incomplete pass, and Kevin King in coverage again. And this is what I hate about these plays. It's like I was just waiting for the flag, and of right. course it did. It came, but like five seconds late. And I'm like, okay, if you really thought that was a flag, the penalty, you know what I mean? I feel like they threw that flag because Brady was yelling at the refs and Tyler Johnson did it, made an incredible flop. Like he's serious. He should win a, win an Oscar for the acting job on this play. He like, he threw himself to the ground after the, the pass went over his head. And okay. I'll say this though. Looking at the replay. Sure. Was Kevin King holding him a little bit? Yeah. But like we referenced earlier, they had not called a single one of these the entire game. And yet at the most critical, crucial point. That's when they decide to throw the flag. That's what I have a problem with. And that's always been an issue with, with refereeing. And as much as these guys are human and they do make mistakes, we get it. In the heat of the moment, you're always angry at them. But to me, this type of stuff is inexcusable. Either you call it all game or you don't call it. You make that right. Ch- Right, because all game, it seemed like there was a decision made by the refs to, let like you guy. said, let them let them play. And this wasn't egregious. It's not like he tackled the guy, you know? I just don't – I just – it always makes you question why, why then? Yeah. <laughs> like, not to sound suspicious or to make any accusations, but why then yeah. at that moment, especially earlier when Lazard was clearly held and the replay showed he was held. Mm-hmm. And replays happen what within 10, 15 seconds of the play? They waited five seconds to throw that flag. Yeah. It was uh oh, it was it was emotional. <laughs> My uh, kids learned some new words after this play. Just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> I saved it for I saved it for the text messages to you, and luckily they can't read yet. Neither can you. So. <laughs> so you didn't know what I was saying either. But <laughs> I mean, I looked what appeared like wingdings on my phone yeah. and figured that you were having a moment and just give it give it time. It'll, it'll come back around. Yeah. So that's how the game essentially ended. The Packers still had the timeout, but they called the the pass they actually called pass interference and uh Brady got a fresh set of downs and they were able to just run out the clock from there. So this that play was terrible, and I think a big mistake by the refs. But the Packers had plenty of other opportunities. With those three interceptions, they only turned one of them into points. They got they got stopped on and three and outs, I think, on the other two. Meanwhile, the Buccaneers turned their two turnovers, Rogers pick and uh, Aaron Jones fumble. They scored touchdowns on both of those. And that was kind of the difference. Packers actually won the turnover differential, but lost the game, which is unusual. I just think it says a lot about this Bucks defense that they were, it does. They were able to shut down Rodgers and the offense. And a big part of that was that offensive line just seemed to disappear. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to mention was uh, Shaq Barrett and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Those guys looked amazing in this game. I cannot believe JPP is still on the league. <laughs> I know. If we keep like mentioning that Frank Gore's the ageist wonder, JPP is still out there and still like giving it. Well, that's everything. a difference. He's actually good, unlike Frank Gore at this point. Wow. But uh, yeah, you're right, and and that was because, um, yeah, the Packers line has been so good, 
and they looked great last week handling LA, but uh, they, yeah, they couldn't handle these edge rushers. Right. It's like they went up against the number one defense and made them look like a bunch of jokes. And then you go up against still a top 10 defense, but not the number one. And you're like, okay, if they did that to LA, there's no way. Like, this is just going to be a battle of quarterbacks. And no, it was, I fully put the victory on the Bucks defense. And as much yeah. as I said, the Buffalo was the most underrated defense going into the postseason. This defense is just as scary. Although I will say Kansas city has more weapons. Definitely. Yeah. The issue I've had with green Bay the past couple of years is the offense consists of Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones, and that's about it. Yep. And that's why this is a whole other discussion, but that's why the Jordan love draft pick was so frustrating. Because it's like, this is the window. Rodgers is not that old yet. Give him more weapons. Well, and then there's questions about his return in, in the offseason. Like, I don't think he's going to go anywhere, but... No, me either. You know, with the way the league has gone this year, you know, who's to say? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's a conversation for another day. Which we'll definitely have, and we'll have time to have, as there's in a couple weeks... There will be, uh, sadly, no more football for a few months till August or whatever. <laughs> well, there's the so, draft. Oh, there, I'm not saying there won't be stuff to talk about, but yes, I'm very much looking forward to that. I don't really necessarily enjoy sitting down and watching the combine as much as I watch teams fight for my amusement. <laughs> Speaking of amusement, sorry, I don't know, that's not a relevant segue at all, but... <laughs> There was one other game, so despite what I may or may not believe, there was a second game played this day. <laughs> On this day, there were indeed as two games. Um, and I think what's funny is this kind of gives the fact that we're each taking a game to break down. It shows our very distinct styles of breaking games down because uh-huh. I like you're like play by play analysis. Call you the Tony Romo of the podcast. <laughs> Except that all my predictions are wrong. <laughs> Yeah, right. What was it? Week six, he predicted the Chiefs and uh, Bucks would be in the Super Bowl. It was read something about that. Oh, yeah, probably. Like as a crystal ball or something. <laughs> oh, he's a better commentator than with a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I forgot how much. Uh, I feel like you uh, felt the same way about him that I feel about Taysom Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Just this unbridled, probably unnecessary hatred. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, let's. Uh, uh, Bills and Chiefs. Chiefs. Game was the score deems it closer than I believe it was the entire time, especially yeah. given the fact that the Bills went up nine to nothing in the first quarter. Um, but the overall flow of the game was really interesting because the Bills owned the first and the fourth quarter in terms of points to going on the score. Ironically, the only two quarters that touchdowns were scored, hmm. but the chiefs own the second and third quarter and they capitalized on those. So at the end of the first, we're talking nine and zero, and then the chiefs storm back in the second quarter, scoring 21 points to the bills three. And that pretty much set the precedent for the rest of the game. Hmm. Uh, but starting with the bills, Josh Allen, not a, not a bad day overall, 28 of 48, 287. Two touchdowns and a pick. Um, But then when you get into the nitty-gritty numbers is where things get interesting. Their run game, Josh Allen also led all Bills players in terms of rush yards with 88. Hmm. 
And just to show you the gap differential, their RB1 and Devin Singletary had 17. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a close behind him was TJ Yellen with 15. So they had no run game besides Josh Allen. And we mentioned this multiple times, and it's noted throughout the season. When you take what was going into this game, a pretty balanced offense, and you force it to be one-dimensional, that usually does not bode well. So clearly they were struggling in the run game from the fact that it was just all on Josh Allen. But then you talk about a, a prolific passing game that features Stephon Diggs, the deep ball, a gadget player, and Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley actually led the Bills receivers with seven receptions and 88 yards. Guess how many Stephon Diggs had? Well, I'm looking at the stats, but uh, you are cheating. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> he had, I, I'm going to guess six. <laughs> Mike, just, I'm done. Six out of uh, 11 targets, though. So it's like they were trying to get the ball to him, but they. Only for 77 yards. Dawson Knox scored the first touchdown for the Bills in the opening quarter. Um, And then Isaiah McKenzie would uh, bring up the fourth quarter with a six-yard reception. And those would be the only touchdowns in the game. Everything else was field goals. And against the Chiefs, you cannot afford threes. You need sixes. Yeah. Um, But what impressed me more was the Bills' defense that came into this game just absolutely wreaking havoc. They only got to Mahomes once, and that was Jerry Hughes. Other than that, the pocket was kept clean for Patrick Mahomes. Um, so they really took care of business for the Bills' defense. But again, I have a the fact that you have Tyreek Hill, you have Travis Kelsey, you've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you've got um, Williams, you have McCole Hardman. The Chiefs' weapons for the Bills' defense, I think may have been the most complex that they've ever faced. Probably, like we've talked about throughout the playoffs. Can anybody stop Travis Kelsey? And once again, the answer was no. <laughs> well, and then, like, you know, to, to transition to the Chiefs, I think what this team showed was, you know, again, they're down 9-0, to uh, down nine points in the first quarter. Again, last year in all postseason games, they trailed, came back. Nobody at this point was concerned. Um, But then, you know, we talk about the one play in the game that can flip flip momentum. And the McColl-Hardman fumble for the kick, I thought may have been a dagger that they never saw coming. However, I think the dude made up for his mistake. Yeah, Um, it was actually a nice moment. You could see – oh, sorry, God. Nope. Go ahead. I was just going to say after the fumble, it was, it was nice on the sideline. You could see all this, you know, everyone consoling him, like pumping him back up, you know, telling him not to worry about it. And of course he did rebound in a big way. That jet sweep was insane. (laughs) Um, then we, we got, you know, Patrick Mahomes, 29 of 38, 325 and three touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, so no turnovers here, but more critically, um, clean pocket. He was only sacked once. And I think when you don't have to worry about pressure, I mean, I think you and I could be a quarterback in that league. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think Let alone to, Mahomes. Yeah. To me, the biggest surprise was the, uh, the 52 rush yards by Darrell Williams. Um, yeah. Le'Veon Bell was out for this game, I think. And it was a CEH maybe still a little banged up. So they were kind of rotating. Right. 
Yep, CEH got one rushing touchdown. Williams got another one, and then the the one carry for fifty yards by McCall Hardman. <laughs> yeah. Um, after after that fumble, and then we get to receiving, and then this is where I believe the biggest difference was. Um, Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, nine for one hundred and seventy two yards. <laughs> yeah. And not just one, but two players with, of course, Travis Kelsey, thirteen for one eighteen and two scores. And then, of course, the one by by Hardman. Uh-huh. I mean, again, Byron Pringle got involved with a tw- with you know twenty two uh, receiving yards. I, I I laugh every time I see that guy's name, <laughs> Pringle. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> like I know I he didn't choose it it's a, somehow, but there's nothing for me to do. So it's, it's, <laughs> I know he didn't choose it. It's the last name, but <laughs> Pringle. Anyway, go on. What are you what are you picturing? Uh, a chip can running down the field? No, not a can, just one. Just one Pringle running. <laughs> just one single Pringle. <laughs> it's not it's not Pringles. Just one it's Pringle. A, it's a fast chip. <laughs> anyway, focusing. Uh the, the Kansas City defense is was made just as a just as big of an impact as as the offense with Sneed. Uh, and I'm going to not say this name right. Kapasan? Kapasanan? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know how you're supposed to say that. Yeah, that dude. K-Pass. K-Pass, that's good. (laughs) Right? That's safe. (laughs) And Frank Clark coming in with two on that one. So they were able to get the heat on Josh Allen. And I think... Anytime you can get in the quarterback's face at least a few times, even just once or twice, you know, a quarter puts you on edge because now he has to divert attention from worrying about corners to worrying about pressure and the rush. And of course, Rashad Fenton came up with the uh, the single lone Josh Allen pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so ironically of these, well, I don't know if it's ironic, but as much as we talked about the Bills being a pretty complete team, Kansas City came in here being the complete team. They played four quarters of football despite not scoring in the first, which I don't think we're going to see that happen too much. Yeah. Um, I think you I think you hit on it uh, when you were talking about the Bills. Is like you can't settle for field goals, particularly short field goals against the Chiefs. Like you got to go for it. And the two of the field goals they kicked were from twenty yards away. And 27 yards out. And, you know, if it's a 20-yard field goal, that means they snapped from about the three-yard line. Like, you don't go for it from the three. And then the other one was 27, so they were at, like, the 10, which maybe is a little more understandable, but that was in the third quarter when they were already starting to fall behind. So it's it's really interesting watching the coaching decisions throughout these playoffs. Like, when are guys maybe too aggressive versus not aggressive enough? And I think we've seen more of the latter, right? More punts and field goals when we feel like they should have uh, been going for it. Again, you know, it's hard when you're the one sitting on your couch watching this saying, go for it. And you don't have all the information, the sometimes 10, 15, 20 plus years of watching decisions like this in the NFL being processed. And you have, I don't know, sometimes 15, 20 seconds to make a decision. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's fair, but you know, you're right. It's, it's easy to armchair uh, coach. But, um, I mean, it'd be different if if 
the Bills defense had been putting pressure on Mahomes and they could see like maybe they weren't getting to him, but he was getting really uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, then the field goes because you know you're going to get to him. It's just a matter of time. But the fact was they weren't able to get to him. Mahomes has just about every dynamic player at his disposal at any given point. Right. Like you, you, you can't you can't go for the threes when when you have to get the, for the six. But then again, going back to like Matt LaFleur's issue. What if they did go for it a couple of times? They were two for two on fourth downs when they went for it. I would have went for it inside the 20. And at worst case, you know, you basically tell your defense, this is on you. <laughs> Granted, that's a tall order. But right. still. So our Super Bowl matchup is set. Chiefs and Bucks and... uh well, let's do our full preview of that game next week since we've got a week off or, you know, there's no game next Sunday. There's two weeks to prepare. Uh, we'll just briefly at a high level right now, we can just talk about it a little bit. So some history being made, the Buccaneers are playing. The Buccaneers are going to become the first team playing a Super Bowl in their home stadium since this year's Super Bowl is at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. So that's pretty cool. That's why it, there is a home team for this Super Bowl. Let's see. Other highlights. The Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl last year, they're trying to become the first team to win back-to-back titles since, ironically, Tom Brady and the Patriots did that in 2003 and 2004. And for Tom Brady, it's his 10th time in the Super Bowl. Isn't that insane? Well, I just, the only point I want to make on this is, does this prove that Brady doesn't need Belichick, but Belichick needs Brady? Maybe. Yeah, I think it proves that. It's like yeah, his first year with a brand new team that arguably started out extremely rocky. It did. But if you just look at the talent on this team, they're way better than the Patriots the last few years. Well, I mean, I think that was noted that that's part of the reason why Brady was <laughs> the Bucks were so appealing to Brady is he, right. he was a kid in a toy store. <laughs> And you just had the pick of the litter. And then adding Leonard Fournette to that lineup just made it, you know, above and beyond. You mean I get to throw to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown instead of Nikhil Harry? (laughs) Philip Dorsett? Yeah. (laughs) No offense to those guys, but clearly a different caliber of talent in Tampa Bay. But I I think – and he has a new great coach in Bruce Arians, so – um, it was a very situation. different style of coach. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think if the Bucks do win, Arians will become the oldest coach to win a Super Bowl. I think I saw that. It's funny because well, he doesn't seem like an old guy the way, <laughs> the way he uh, coaches. Neither does Pete Carroll. True. For different reasons. Carroll's got like that youthful energy still. And I feel like Arians has like that fiery passion still. Yeah, even through the mask, you can see when he's angry. (laughs) Don't make Papa Arians angry. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. Right. Okay. So that'll be fun. We'll do our full preview of that game next week. Uh, Let's talk some off-season news. The first thing that happened. I'm psyched about this part. Which, this first bullet point? No, just the off-season news that's happened. it's It's fun. Yeah, a lot happened this week again. Uh, so a day after we released 
where we recorded last week, Philip Rivers announced his retirement. Damn it, Rivers, you were a day late. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say day late and a dollar short, but he's made plenty of money in his career. I was going to say he's made a couple of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> a couple, couple hundred times more than we ever will. Uh, but yeah, he decided to hang it up. Not unexpected. He he had said even if before the season ended, if they hadn't, if Colts hadn't made the playoffs, that that might be his last game. So, uh, too bad for the league. He's he was uh, always a fun player to watch and a, quite a character. The nicest trash talker in football. <laughs> it's awesome. I love all those highlights that have been going around. I think my favorite, or one of my favorites, was uh, JJ Watt saying that uh, one time in a game against the Texans, Rivers called out someone on someone else on Watt's defense. defense that like lined up in a bats box. Told him he was lined you're, up wrong. You're not a Mike. Why would you line up there? And JJ Watt said he was absolutely correct. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. That was a good run for Rivers, even though he never. I don't think he ever even made the Super Bowl. Sadly, uh, but his teams were always in the mix in the playoffs and uh he's probably what do you think think he's hall of fame bound oh i think so the years he spent with the uh with the chargers i mean i can't think of another Chargers school warren moon no was he chargers i have no idea seattle maybe i had to look now. i have a computer i can look it up <laughs> right it's like we have technology let's chargers. see wow he played for 23 seasons oh he played on the oilers and Minnesota, and then Seattle, and then Kansas City. That's where I know him from, Minnesota. That would be my bad. That's um, right. It was a fun uh, trip down memory lane. <laughs> right. Marty Dormes, Martin Briscoe, Steve Tensey, Robin Torben wrote. I know none of these are names. The, I was going to say, are those football players? I've never those heard of Those are all Chargers <laughs> quarterbacks. I've never heard any of those names before. Um, yeah, so. Nope, I got nothing. Enjoy retirement, Philip Rivers. He'll he'll be missed. At least in our generation, Rivers, you're the most notable Chargers quarterback. Yes, that's safe to say. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that before I embarrass myself even more. And just speaking of quarterbacks in our generation, we've already seen they're 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 leaving. <laughs> they're dying. They're a dying breed. With uh, Breeze is gone, Rivers now. Eli a few years ago, but we're right. Just last year? I don't know. Feels like he's been out of the league for a while. <laughs> he should have been out many moons ago. That is true. Many Warren moons ago. Oh, way to tie that <laughs> into my embarrassment. Well, and then you uh, figure, but even though um, Big Ben is signed on for one more year, you got to figure he's got to be towards the end of his rope. I Yep, I think so. Um, and then at some point, we'll see Brady and Rodgers retire. I don't think Brady's ever going to retire. <laughs> Remember how we used to joke about Favre being wheeled out on like a, an emergent, like on a medical bed, yeah, <laughs> or a yes. wheelchair? Can we like transfer that script to Brady at this point? Because I think Brady. Well, here's the thing, play. though. I don't think he even needs it, like a medical bed or a wheelchair or whatever. He he looks and plays like he's ten years younger than his age. As much as I've talked crap about his his arm strength and stuff i i might have just been wrong or i don't know what I, he looked good <laughs> legitimately good in this game still well, i i think i don't think the deep ball is as as crisp as it's been you know you got to figure even as good as the shape you are time catches up with you and there's going to come a point Eventually. that he will not be able to 
to throw it accurately. He'll be able to throw it down the field, but <laughs> how many years have we been saying that though? <laughs> You're right. I mean, yeah, it is true. Time, father time comes for everybody, but I don't know when that's going to be for Brady. Um, I think really it's just on his term when he decides, you know what, enough is enough. Yeah. And I'm really so curious just... to see what happens if they do win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If well, Brady... he already said he's back next year. It was a two-year contract in Tampa Bay, and he said he's going to honor it no matter what happens, I think. Well, I guess then we'll have to wait till next year. Wait and just not Right, yeah. We'll, we'll have the exact same conversation next year. Because we'll there's no the same smack and be proven wrong the same time. <laughs> Well, especially one with Breeze. We'll be right. One, that's right. If we just keep saying it every year, eventually it'll be true. They see we, what um, it. Right. <laughs> We're going to be on the verge of retirement by then. <laughs> At least from this show. On to the next. I don't know what we do. I don't know. Um, but anyway, if you, yeah, just one more quick thing and then we'll keep going with the news. I was just going to say about Brady. If you look at that division next year, Breeze is gone. I don't think the Saints are going to necessarily be as strong of a contender. Um, obviously, Carolina was not very good this year, and Atlanta has some things to figure out. So I, there's no reason the Bucks wouldn't be favored, I think, to win the division next year. I, I, and, I think I could back that. I, I would back that based on what I think Atlanta does as a overhaul of their roster. Because the only other team right now in that division that has a pretty good shot out of the gate would be Atlanta. Yeah, definitely agree with that. that. They're the closest. Well, and that's not to say that, you know, New Orleans can't work some magic. I mean, Sean Payton's one of the greatest offensive-minded coaches we'll ever know. Yeah. Um, But I think they're going to have to tailor their game a lot more to Hill's style than they did Breeze. Although Breeze was – doing the short passing game. So I guess they could technically just keep going with that. (laughs) So maybe they don't have to change as much as we thought. Actually. Yeah. I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, Breeze was more, almost more of a liability than an asset by the end anyway. So maybe they'll be even better next year. (laughs) Oh my God. I would love that. We've talked ourselves in a complete circle. (laughs) Anyway, the lions hired Dan Campbell to be their next coach. What an interesting, I don't don't, know. This is a kind of a head scratcher, an unconventional hire to put it generously. Uh, as far as stupid. I know, as far as I know, no other franchise considered him a head coaching candidate. Um, he's never been a, even a coordinator at any level, college or pros. Uh, he has no play calling experience. He's been the tight end count, tight end coach in New Orleans the last few years, and is known for his motivational speaking abilities. I love your fun fact. Oh yeah, and a fun fact. He played he actually played on the Lions back in 2008 when the team went 0 16. Let me put it to you this way. You're going to hire a guy that went on an 0 and everything team and you're like, "Yeah, this is the guy to coach your team. He's had success." It's, I don't know. It's so weird. And they gave him a 6-year deal. <laughs> what? This makes me feel like I could go to Carolina walk in their front office and be like, Hey, I've got no experience, but I could tell people they're doing a good job. And they'd be like, you know what? You're our head coach. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and fun fact, because I know this is impress you. I was on a team that did not win a single game. 
Like, well, like, we were going to say we're going to turn you down, but but now you're hired. <laughs> yeah, well, we weren't sure about that, but you were on a on an O and everything team. Well, here's a six year, you know, one point two million dollar a year deal to be our head coach. What could possibly go wrong? And then I don't know. I don't think it was directly because of that, but Stafford wants out, and they're going to find a trade partner for him. They've mutually agreed to part ways with Matt Stafford. I think He's Stafford like, has been the most unfortunate quarterback. I, I, yeah. As a division rival, you know, I've always kind of hated him just as a principal. But I, you got to like the, the effort he puts. He's been playing hurt a lot. He's really tough, toughed it out, even for this horrible team. And I'm just happy for him that he's getting out of Detroit. In theory, he will anyway before his before he retires. Unlike Calvin Johnson and uh, Barry Sanders, who had to retire just to get out of that city. <laughs> now here, here begs the question: Where would he go? Colts. There's there's several uh, QB needy teams now. I was thinking Colts or potentially the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Bridgewater isn't locked in as the starter. I'll say that. Also, San Francisco potentially. San They're Francisco not, would be a good not too happy about Jimmy G. Maybe they could do a swap or something so that Detroit doesn't isn't left with nothing. I don't know. It's interesting. I this this coaching hire. Just, I don't know. It seems like such a Detroit thing. Makes me laugh. Did you see his introductory press conference? He's talking about like biting kneecaps. And I, this guy is insane. <laughs> and that's one thing to do as, as, a, as a player. Right. It's like, so, what are they going to get in Dominican Sue back? <laughs> why? So you can stomp on people's hands. <laughs> yeah. Right. Kneecap some guys. Uh, anyway, we're running out of time here, so let's just fire through these last couple really quick. We were talking about Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, so we should also mention that they signed Dwayne Haskins to a one-year deal. Mike, you're, uh, your quarterback that you drafted for us in, 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 in our dynasty league. In dynasty is still in the league. There's still a chance. <laughs> um, let's see. <clears throat> more, Just more of the same bad news for the Texans and that supposedly Deshaun Watson wants out. Uh, regardless of the new head coaching hire, it sounds like he's sounds like he's all the way done with that team. But he's going to be tough to trade because I think you sent me what they're the asking price is it's what, like three, three first rounders, first round picks, and then the possibility of additional picks. That's crazy. Like I don't now, know who's this gonna... begs the question because I don't remember this anything like this happening that I can remember. What happens if he just you know let's say the season starts. Houston hasn't been able to get anything. He's technically part of the team, but he just refuses to show up. Right. Well, I think uh, he's got to be a clause in the contract, though, that says at some point you can cut him and he just doesn't get X amount of dollars. Well, yeah, that's that's it. I think he gets fined some amount of money for every game he misses. And then because remember, we went through this similar to a holdout almost. Right. Like what happened with Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. I think they just. um if they miss a certain X amount of the season, then it doesn't even count as a year towards their contract. If they, if they sit out anyway, so he'll, he's, he'll still be stuck. Like that's not going to get him out. And yeah, you're right. He'll be penalized financially fined. I mean, I not that he can't afford the hit, but what, <laughs> what does Probably that tell true. you about a player when they're like, I would rather lose a couple million dollars a year than to play for your team. Yep. And uh, anything else to say about Watson? No, but this is probably going to be the off-season story. 
Yeah, probably. I, there's the going to be around it. Right. And it's not, doesn't seem like it's going away. I guess there's still time, but a lot of time, but we'll see. Certainly doesn't seem like he's going to back away from this. And then there's one other piece of uproar of bold news that you didn't see. You missed. Oh, okay. What's that? The Eagles hire Seriani as their new head coach. Yes. The Eagles fans are not happy. <laughs> yeah. He was the Colts offensive coordinator. Um, and they needed someone new after firing Peterson kind of late in the game. But hey, I, I know one guy who's still out there <laughs> that I wonder if this team wishes they would have signed. I wonder who that could be. He's, I'll give a hint. He's still, his team is still alive in the Super Bowl hunt. Is he an offensive coordinator? Yes, I, I think, so. honestly, I, I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, who is it then? Eric Bieniemy. Okay, yeah, he is. That's okay, why I was, like, I was I making questioned, sure. I questioned myself for a second. Like, what is his exact role? <laughs> but yeah. No, that's why I was like, I had I had Bieniemy in my head, but then you're like, I think so. I was like, hold on a second. Yeah, right. Are we about to go in a completely different direction here? But no. Um, is that is that why Eagles fans are unhappy? I don't know. All I know is there was an uproar as I was looking on the Instagram page for the Philadelphia Eagles with that news of like, this is BS. This is stupid. Way to go. We should have had Peterson. I was like, oh, my God. Well, I think part of that is just Eagles fans. <laughs> I think maybe we'll have to have Serio on there. Have to be with the fact that they're keeping Wentz, and I don't think people are happy about that. Right. I don't know. It'll be interesting. So uh, let's I see. Like, I feel like maybe Chicago and Philly are the two most difficult cities to play in because the fans are just brutal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at um, Sirianni's history here. He was with the Chargers for a while as a quarterbacks coach in 2014 wide receiver coach in 16 and 17. And then, and then, yeah, he came right from there to the Colts in 2018 with Frank Reich. Right. Reich, and, Reich recruited him. Yes. And he's been the offensive coordinator for the last two years, three years. I can do math. So it's uh it's an interesting hire. I mean, it's not as bold or as dumb as Dan Campbell. <laughs> right. Still going to be contemplating that later today. And lion's gonna lion. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think yeah, that, I think that's that it. wraps it up for today. Are there any more? One more question. Are there any more head coaching vacancies? Is it just Houston now? I'm just wondering. I'm trying to think if uh, the enemy is, if there are any spots left for him. Uh, yeah, it would just be Houston, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I don't think anyone else is in the hot seat as of right now, or will be fired anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're done with, we're done with firing still about week, week four next season, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The jets wait until the end of the year. to get <laughs> So there's another thing that gets my gullet. Oh, I know. Freaking hate Adam Gase. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. See what he does as a coordinator now in Seattle. Is that official? I, I heard they were just in talks. Oh, it, he didn't get hired yet. I don't know. Is Adam? I don't Gates think so. Uh, 
That's what I'm Googling. You know, here's here's the first headline. Seattle interviewing Adam Gase for offensive coordinator vacancy makes no sense. <laughs> From NBC Sports. <laughs> I agree. Sounds like they're still in talks. X Broncos says Peyton Manning taught Adam Gase Denver's offense. <laughs> All right. Well, he clearly didn't know how to use it. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no, I think the offense is actually good that year, and that's like what he attributes all his, like that's what's gotten him every other stop in his career. And then people are saying it was actually just Peyton Manning all along. <laughs> anyway, well, enough rambling. But it's the best part of the show. Oh, I know. This is what the listeners wait for. At least one oh, of quick, them. Uh, quick fantasy corner hockey update. I was victorious. <laughs> Dude, oh. What is with like these roster setups? Do you notice like when I go to the fantasy cast and I scroll down, I have all these unfilled areas and I don't understand what they mean <laughs> because when I go to my roster, every spot besides IR is filled and I don't freaking get it. Is like half my team missing. You have to set your lineup every day. You know that, right? No. Cause there's games like every other, every couple days. Right, but like it shows when all my players are playing. It shows when all my players are playing. Oh my god, uh-huh. I, I don't understand this. Why is this so difficult, Mike? What did you get me involved? Go, with? go to the roster tab. Roster. Mike. Click, click, edit lineup. Okay, well, and you have to move guys in every day. I got to do this every f-ing day. <laughs> this is all staying in. Don't this is the best part. You're right, this is the best part of the episode. I hate you. (laughs) On that note, (laughs) kill you. See you next week to recap the Pro Bowl. (laughs) Mike's not dead. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta do this every day. If it helps, you can do it multiple days in advance. So you can do them all like at the beginning of the week. I can't stand you anymore. <laughs> wow. I can't believe this is the tipping point after all that's <laughs> after all these years. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, it's a good well, idea. Let's do fantasy hockey. We can both look <laughs> stupid, but you're going to be more stupider than me. Only slightly, if that makes you feel better. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> your last place. I'm right there. Second to last place. <laughs> If anything, that's even more impressive that you almost beat me with, with not, without even setting your lineup half the time. <laughs> now imagine anyway. what happens if I try. <sighs> All right. On that note, thanks for staying with, bearing with us through this entire derailment. <laughs> because I am leaving this in. No. I have no <laughs> other right winger. <laughs> See, maybe we could talk trade. Uh, hit me up. DM yeah, me. sure. I'll just. Who knows if the trades work? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode of the Two M Football Show with Mike and Matt. Please subscribe to be aware of our future podcasts. Follow us at social media at Two M Football Show. If you feel like donating to help out the show. Follow us and check out our Patreon. We'll see you in the next episode.